When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Start your home buying process today at mortgagecs.com slash PHLY. Company NMLS ID. Number, oh man, this is difficult. <laughs> 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. That, that, that's just incredible. To, to give an explanation to those who are only listening via audio the reason why bill comes off as very muffled on shows right after a flyers win is because he is wearing the dog mask yeah yeah wearing the dog mask there for the for the victory woo and now that we have the presenting sponsor i have to get in in the intro more so if you couldn't hear me uh visit mortgagecs.com slash phly to start your home buying process today company nmls id number one four six four seven six six as i said my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening joining me as always philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter it is charlie o'connor we are joining you following a 2-1 win flyers back in that win column after the bye week they needed this one we needed this yeah. one i was just saying you we almost forgot entirely about the dog mask thing because they lost five in a row and then had like eight days off it's been almost a month since i've worn the dog mask and done the victory woo i was like what do we do for post game? okay they won gotta do this but we're here now uh they have ended the five game losing streak the sprint has begun. John Tortorella said these final 32 games were going to be a sprint. Uh, first, like, 12 minutes of this game, <laughs> it seemed like that sprint they were going to get lapped on. Yeah, they, it like, was more of a crawl it at was, the start. It, it didn't <laughs> seem great for a team that was like, okay, they needed this rest. Let's see how it goes now. They're going to come out, and it's like, well, they're going to be tested right away, and they were. They looked like they were still at the pool in the yeah, first period. At, I wondered, like, okay, you, you went on the trip early. Like, they got to Florida on Sunday for a Tuesday game. Like, I get it. You want to also, 
This is extending the vacation. Yeah, it's still you Florida. are taking them to Sunrise. It's like you're basically Florida. taking them to Miami with, you know, yeah, they're going to practice, but uh, these are grown men. Yeah, you know, they're going to go out after work. But listen, it all works out. Uh, and this was a, a pretty damn good game for the Flyers outside the beginning, really the first period, but even just the first half of the first period was like, I uh, it was I likened it on Twitter to. Um, in the big game in sports movies, like the underdog team gets there and then, you know, the bad guys just overwhelm them. Oh, the yeah. first. I said, they need a Stevie Weeks breakaway real bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That's what it was. They looked like the mystery team against the New York Rangers. They, they, need, they need Bobby Boucher coming <laughs> no, in on, yes, the, uh, on, they need on the fan, on the fan boat. boat showing up at the <laughs> Bourbon Bowl. Now, what, like, that's what it looked like. Uh, but to their credit. They steadied things. They were able to eventually slow the Panthers down, uh, thanks in large part, especially early, to Sam Erson. But this was, it was like a, I don't know, tale of two halves, but almost two different games. I wouldn't say the Flyers took over at any point, but after the first period or really first, like half of the first period, they played even with the Florida Panthers, who you and I yesterday said we think are going to represent the East in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I just think that it wasn't even that they dominated the final 40 minutes because I don't think they dominated. The Florida had the puck a fair yeah. amount. They still look like Florida. But what was different was that the Flyers were playing their game. So to me, the big thing that was missing in that first period, and maybe this is just a case of you're coming off the break, you're a little rusty, and you get hit with a team that just goes at you. I mean, Florida is a heavy forechecking team. They are on you quick, and you need to make quick decisions. And you even heard Travis Konechny mention it after the uh, the end of the second period when NBC Sports Philadelphia interviewed him at the intermission. He said, look, they are an aggressive team. We need to take advantage of that, and that's what we felt like we did in the second. That's what they didn't do in the first. In the first they were getting forechecked, and when they got forechecked, they were screwing up. They weren't taking advantage of the fact that, hey, look, you can have an aggressive forecheck, and it can work a lot of times. But if you're a team like the Flyers, where so much of your attack this year is based off of transition, transition rushes and taking advantage of mistakes, Florida is a team you can take advantage of if they attack that aggressively. In the first period, Florida attacked that aggressively. The Flyers were unable to break the puck out, and they spent the entire period in their own zone pretty much. From the beginning of the second period on, and it really started out with a uh, a strong first shift, I thought, from Owen Tippett in particular. Yeah. It came out, and you're like, okay, John Tortorella yelled at these guys at intermission, and now these guys are coming out with some actual jump. From that point on, it wasn't just the, the jump was there, but also they were actually breaking the puck out of their own zone. Even though Florida didn't really pull up on the, on the pressure, they were still using an aggressive forecheck. The Flyers were just finally nailing those passes. Obviously, Konechny's goal wasn't it wasn't off of a forecheck, but it was a quick strike goal. It was a it was a move up ice. I mean, Walker gets that puck up ice. Faraby makes a nice pass, and then boom. That was not a that was not a cycle goal. That was yeah. a we're attacking quick type of goal. That was a Flyers when they're playing well kind of goal. And that's a goal that they never would have been able to pull off in the first because they weren't even able to complete two passes consecutively. No, and that's even in the first period when they show Tortorella like at a stoppage, just yelling at the boys. Yeah. Like to me, I don't know what he was saying, but to me, it looks like when he's just going like this, go north. He's saying like push. Yeah. And I said to you, like, listen, I, I know that they have an aggressive forecheck. Their defensemen join the rush a lot. If the Flyers can make a play defensively, does that not play into what they do? Like, if everyone's up ice, yeah. you're gonna find some odd man rushes eventually. They got the one with TK, and that seemed to really just steady things from there. And suddenly it was not a 
I know like it's always, oh, the ice seems tilted. It was an uphill climb for this team. <laughs> like it was, it seemed like a real struggle, like you said, to just complete a pass. Yeah. And then finally they found a little bit of confidence uh, after that, uh, really before the TK goal, but then they get it and it just seems like, all right, we have this thing now. We can compete in this game. Because for a minute there, it was like, oh, you know, they got before the break. Was it two games before the break? They got shut out by Alex Lyon. Yeah. The Stoli, the goalie, repeat the Ooh, performance. Yeah. Former, you know? former Flyers just backups. Backup goalies. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, Where's Peter Morozik? Yeah. Uh, Get him in here. Just got his. No, uh, one thing I do want to point out, though, and this was when I looked at this, I actually had to double check it twice because it just seemed like such a bonkers stat. And it speaks to how well the Flyers played. In this, not even in the second half of the game, in the final two thirds of the game. Looking at, so they gave up 10 shots to Florida in the first period. They gave up 11 shots the rest of the way. But here's the wild one. So Noah Cates gives the Flyers the uh, the two to one lead with 236 uh, passed in the first period. This is or in the third period. This is early in the third. Early in the so third. the Flyers are protecting a lead for almost the entirety of the third period. The Flyers allowed three shots on goal. Three shots on goal in that third period, 25 shot attempts. They missed or blo- they, they had, the Florida either had a missed shot or a block shot 22 times in the third. They only hit the net three times. That speaks to number one, the Flyers willingness to block shots, but number two, their ability to play in structure and to force them to shoot wide. Now, some of those plays were Florida mistakes. They could have got pucks on that. They didn't, but 25 shot attempts, only three on goal when you're trying to come back from a 2-1 deficit. You can put that on Florida, but I put that a lot on the Flyers and what they were doing defensively. Uh, the, this is always bad. The event summary. It has the Flyers with 22 blocks, but attempts blocked for Florida, 23. So the Flyers either block 22 or 23 well, I shots. Think it's, it's probably because one of the blocks that they started. I actually heard this. This year, they started tracking like self-blocks. So like ah. so that one was probably one that hit a Florida player. The Flyers blocked 22 shots. Uh Florida had another 22 misses. 44 shot attempts that just never get there and that's huge but yeah. Nick Sealer leads the way with six blocks. 22 This is how this team has to win. Yeah. They are not going to outskill the Florida Panthers. Like that's just not going to happen. It was good to see the Flyers get back to the game they were playing when they were winning. Yes. Now they Thankfully. won. They win the shot, uh, the shot battle a lot uh, in the first half, first you know, two thirds, whatever the season. But it's not the shot attempt battle a lot. You know, <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, the box. They come in handy. But this is what this team does. Like you say, play in structure, keep the man in front of you, and then transition from there. This is a good sign for this team. Now, whether you're, you know, Charlie, still maybe not optimistic about them making the playoffs, but to come out now and beat the Florida Panthers, an excellent team, add that to the list of teams that they have beaten this season, they're going to be in this thing to the end, which I, is to I, me I the most important. That is the most important thing to me. We've said time and time again, like, I want them to make the playoffs because, man, if you get close, you might as well get in. Uh, but... Playing in March and April games that actually count. So the team can't go, oh yeah, Morgan Frost had a nice half, second half of the season, but they were exhibition games. What do we actually know about them? Like getting to that point, competing through March and April is the most important thing to me. 
They've beaten Florida. They've beaten Dallas. They've beaten Carolina, at least one out of three. They've beaten Edmonton. They've beaten Colorado. They've beaten Vancouver twice. They've held them to one goal in 120 minutes. They're the highest scoring team in hockey. They've beaten Vegas. They can beat good teams. They absolutely can. Yeah. So, like, can they do it in a seven-game series? Who the hell knows? Crazy shit happens. Probably not, but I don't know. It just bodes well that the second, you know, the final 31 games now are going to matter. That's a huge step for this team. Yeah, and especially coming off of the five-game losing streak because after that final game, multiple players said, look, we know we're better than what we've shown over these last few games. We really think we just need a reset. And you know what? My viewpoint was these guys have played well enough over the first 50 games of the season for me to just take them at their word. Yeah. And if in two weeks they're still losing, then it's like, now nah, you guys just lost it. But they, they earned my confidence over this, this early part of the year that no, this is, this whole thing isn't just about to run off a cliff that maybe they do legitimately need a week. You know, they've, they had a, a ridiculous schedule in January. They had a ridiculously eventful schedule in January in terms of shit. The organization and the players had to deal with. And a couple guys were banged up. They were sick through a lot of that month. There was a lot going on. And they basically swore up and down after that game. I believe it was the Boston game that, that essentially just give us a week. We'll come back and we'll be better. And I thought it was really telling because I'm obviously not on this trip, to be clear. But he's here. I'm here. But <laughs> I thought it was telling that, that John Tortorella, like the guy who is all about no excuses, straight up said after yeah. one of the practices earlier this week that, look, I think the team ran out of gas at the end of January. I don't care if you want to call it an excuse. I'm just going to say it. It's it's not as if John Tortorella is, you know, he's not uh, John Stevens here, like the player's best friends. Like, oh, listen, it'll be okay. Like, he's he's a hard ass. Yeah. He's not going to give them the excuse. No, no not even like, close. But if anyone watching the games, like, okay, they played this way for like, 45 games and then suddenly they didn't play this way now maybe it was this is why tortorella told us hey man you don't know what you have till the end of january because teams start to turn it up the games do start to matter a little bit more maybe that's what was happening to the flyers you didn't know you didn't know yeah. but i was willing like you said to give them that little benefit of the doubt and be like let me see the first five after the break yeah well if this one the first of those five is any indication they're a lot closer to the team that won the five in a row prior to the five game losing streak than the team that lost those five. Yeah, uh, I believe we have some super chats. All so, right, let's get so some there, super chats. There are uh, there are a bunch of things we want to talk about from an individual player standpoint, but we will start it out with Corey's super chat because we were going to talk about this guy anyway, have probably to. a little bit later in the show. But Corey, thank you so much. We will talk about Sam Erson, as Corey says. At what point can we call Erson a capital S stud? Man, uh, you know, two S's in that name. I guess three with Sam. One I, of them has to Sam stand for stud. There's a lot stud. of S's in that name. Stand for stud. I, this is tough for me. <laughs> no, um, listen, he is the reason they won this game. He's the reason why they stayed in this game, definitely. That's, he's the reason they won because it's over in the first, if not. Exactly. Like You need that from your goalie, and he gave it to them. And he also, like, listen, they didn't have a ton of chances, but... He did make the stops when he had to later in the game when they're they're protecting a lead for the entire third period. Yeah. And that to me was almost like this is bad news. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's something to be said, too. I think that like, look, block shots are block shots. The goalie didn't have to deal with them, whatever. 
I always have thought there's something to be said about like missed shots, not always, but a lot of times can be attributed to the positioning of a goalie. Absolutely. Because if the goalie is in good position, you're going to have to pick corners to beat him and therefore you're going to miss more shots. And I think that's what you did see a bit in the third period. They were trying to pick corners against Sam Harrison because they were having trouble beating him. And because of that, they missed a lot of shots they otherwise wouldn't have missed because they had to find the perfect spot to beat a goalie who was playing really well. I think for me, I'm just happy for Arison that he had this game. Needed it. Because I don't think he was playing that bad no. during those during that five-game stretch, but his numbers went in the toilet. And you were already starting to see people, the, the same people who were who were ready to to designate him the starter long before Carter Hart is it. where Carter Hart is right now. But they were ready to be like, Arison's the guy, Arison's the guy. Those same people were starting to turn on and be like, is he actually that good? Is he, is he faltering under the pressure and all that other stuff? Well, tonight against a Florida team that I think has as good of a chance as anyone of winning the Stanley Cup, he reminded everybody why they were so excited about him in early to mid-January. So I took a look at the schedule. Uh, Flyers, 31 games left this season. Nine this month, no back-to-backs. March 1st and 2nd, they have back-to-backs, but it's not a three and four. They have two days off before those games. March 23rd, 24th, they have a back-to-back. That is a three and four. April 5 and 6th is a back-to-back. They have three days off prior. He could conceivably start like... 25 or more of these last 31 games. That's an interesting point. I, I think in February so, he's going to play a lot of these games because February is a relatively reasonable yeah, schedule. There's no back-to-backs. It's And, like, no back-to-backs doesn't even really frame it. They have, like, multiple days. Yeah. The condensed schedule of 50 games early leads to plenty of time off in this last, exactly. you know, little sprint here. So I guess the question, like, we're going to find out about Sam Harrison. He's going to get a ton of playing time. Should they, do you think, run him out as much as possible? Like I'm saying, 25 or more of these last 31. Or, like, maybe Cal Peterson is a <laughs> is an NHL caliber goalie. Maybe he's not. Let's say right now Sam Harrison is their only NHL caliber goalie in the organization. You know, they don't they don't have anyone stashed anywhere. Someone's coming eventually, but you know, he's Russian, so right. who knows? Well, um hopefully. Yeah, hopefully he's coming. <laughs> um do you think maybe they should run him out as much as possible or maybe be a little bit more cautious because he's y- your only guy? See, like how should they play this? You know what? Honestly, I'm of the opinion I kind of want to run him. I I I don't want them to put him in a position where he's going to get hurt. Mm. I, if if they're back the back-to-backs, to backs, the three and yeah. fours, give yes. him his time. Exactly. Like, and and I trust that Kim Dillaball, the the goalie coach, will inform John Tortorella when he feels like Arison is a little gassed, and because I do not want them to injure this guy. However, I really don't have a problem leaning on him because here, here's the way I look at it. Okay, we all know what Cal Peterson is. We all know what Cal Peterson isn't. Even if they were to swap him and Felix Sandstrom, I think we all have a pretty good idea what Felix Sandstrom is and isn't. If the Flyers are in a playoff race, they owe it to these players to put them in the best chance to succeed, the yeah. best position to succeed. And right now, Sam Erson puts them in the best the best position to succeed in an individual game. Like, if you're going to say, well, we're just tossing this game out there because Cal Peterson needs a game. Like, 
I get it in a back-to-back. I get it in a three and four. You don't want to run your goalie into the ground. Danny Briere straight up said, this guy is young. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. However, if you're trying to win every single individual game the way the Flyers have said they are, Sam Harrison gives you a significantly better chance every single night to win over Cal Peterson or Felix Sandstrom. I think as long as you are not risking his health, I think you play him as much as possible. And like, I know, <laughs> like, I know this might sound a little bit like, uh, you know, something I criticized the Flyers for a few years ago where they started Brian Elliott every game the month of December. <laughs> and it was like, well, if you look at every game as an individual, like in a vacuum, yes, he does give you the best chance. However, he was 10 or 11 years older <laughs> <laughs> then Sam, it was either his age 34, or 35 season. I don't remember which one. But even if it was his age 33, like we're talking about a 24-year-old goalie right now. I think it would behoove everyone, like not just to keep them in this race, at least up to the deadline. Maybe, you know, if they trade everyone at the deadline, we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, uh, okay. Uh, Throw Felix fucking Sandstrom in there because yeah. you, you wave the white flag. But if they keep themselves in it, even through the deadline, if they move a couple of key pieces... You do owe it to the like that's the make good almost like yes we did get we did get rid of our third best defenseman. Also, we're giving you the right goalie every night. Like that's almost the give back. Yeah, like we are keeping you in it. We are giving you yeah. the chance. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. We got a few more super chats from LCJ. Uh, we got best flyers coverage. Period. Thank you very much, LCJ. And then we have a second one. I agree. Uh, basically, just saying that uh, that my praise of Sam Harrison. I just think it was a big, I think it was a big deal. I think it was a big deal, not even for the fans, but also just for Sam, because you're talking about a guy who- They look at their numbers. Number one, they look at their numbers, but number two, I mean, there's no way he couldn't have been feeling the weight of this situation on him. I think he probably benefited from a mental reset to take a week and just be like, okay, this is my net. Couldn't hurt. This is my net. And I need to adjust to the new normal. I can no longer- I no longer have the crutch of knowing that Carter Hart is going to get half the starts at least because he's the established goalie. This is now my net, and I need to get myself in the frame of mind of believing that this should be my net. It deserves to be my net, and I'm going to go out there and just be a badass. And I just feel like tonight, not even that he was playing bad over those last five games, but it just felt like he came in with more of a purpose in this game. I'd love to say it. No, it was... Like, the slow start, I mean, you would like to see the team come out and play their best for 60 minutes. Also, we've been watching this team a long time. That rarely happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, the slow start tonight, almost a blessing in disguise for Sam Harrison, maybe. Like, he was tested right away. He kept them in that first period, and honestly, like... We'll do three stars later in the show, Charlie. If I was picking a first star tonight, it would probably be Sam Harrison, but we'll wait for yours a little bit later. Before we move on, let me tell you about our friends at Mortgage CS. Now, you know they're the presenting sponsor of our show, so I love them no matter what. Uh, But I think if you give them a call, you will love them too. And look at right there. And I even call the company. You know, I I start every show, you know, (laughs) mortgagecs.com slash PHLY. You don't even have to do that. You can call or text CEO Ben Stucker right there, 267-391-7425 to start your home buying process. Because listen, 
The spring purchase market is almost here. It is heating up quickly. Uh, they're telling us right now, many clients, especially first-time home buyers, they're watching the market. They're looking at the rates, and they're kind of reaching out just saying, I want to be ready when these rates drop. If you're paying attention at all, you know, maybe not now, but maybe, I want to be ready when it yeah, happens. Maybe like midway through yeah. 2024. I'm, lo I'm looking forward to be ready when it happens. When the spring comes, the market explodes. Everyone is doing this. This is if you have this idea, oh well, when the rates drop, I'm getting in. You're gonna want to be ready when it happens. Given that there's gonna be limited inventory and strong demand, competition will remain extremely fierce this year. You're not the only one with this idea. So get in touch with Mortgage CS now to prepare and ensure you will be able to stand out and make the strongest offer possible when you are ready to jump into this market. You I, I'm I tell you all the time, Mortgage CS, what does it stand for? Mortgage Concierge Service. They're an independent mortgage broker based right here in Philadelphia. They're here to give you as, as great of, of possible customer service as they can provide. Whatever the limit is on their customer service ability, they will give it to you. Uh, that's why they give you the CEO's cell phone number right there, Ben Stucker, 267-391-7425. Their goal, when you hear the word mortgage, you think of Mortgage CS. You think of Ben and his partner, Alec. You can save Ben's telephone number. You can even email Ben, ben at mortgagecs.com. Call or text anytime. And be sure to check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All, lo all loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com for more information. All right, let's, uh, let's get to TK. Okay. TK gets them on the board tonight. He does his thing. He's mixing it up in scrums. He is... Pushing back against a Florida team whose thing is we fucking push you. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what they do. They are rats out there. I mean, look at their roster. You know, <laughs> when your guy is Matt Kachuk, like this is this is who you hitch your wagon to. Like they, they run around a bit. We have a rat of our own. He not only answered with a goal tonight, he got in their heads, that little scrum yeah. at the end. I don't think I don't think it's crazy to say, you know, they come out strong to start the third. They score the goal early. You see TK mixing it up with their whole team. Yeah. They're probably a little fired up. Yeah. I love Travis Konechny so much. <laughs> I love him so much, Charlie. He is such a fucking flyer. Scored his 23rd goal tonight. Nice move uh, to beat Stoli, who, you know, played a good game yeah. up until that point. He was fine. He uh, showed up on the daily face-off sellers list today. We've talked a lot about his potential availability. I know it's probably wrong. I so badly don't want to trade him. They might have to. I so badly don't want to. Look, I'm I'm not expecting them to. I really do not expect that they are going to trade Travis Kennedy. Now, the key to this whole thing is they can't just up and re-sign him now. They have to wait until July 1st. So yeah. There is, to me, it's just like there's no urgency because I don't think you're going to get that much more for him at this deadline versus the offseason. So I don't know why you have to rush into it. That's, which the means that doesn't like, make sense yeah, to me. Which means that like if you are, if you're even listening on Konechny right now, you are basically telling everybody, you have to make us an offer that is just too good yeah. not to take. And I'm skeptical that anyone is going to make that kind of offer for Travis Konechny right now. 
I expect they're going to re-sign him because, look, based on tonight's game, it sure seems like if the Flyers don't make the playoffs, at the very least, they're going to be in the mix the rest of the way. They look like a team tonight that wanted to send a message that like, hey, we ain't going away. If you thought that that five-game losing streak was going to turn into a 10-game losing streak and that was going to be us being the old Flyers again, nah, that ain't us. We ain't going anywhere. And if they can hang in for the rest of the season, even if they don't make the playoffs, if they end up just missing by a few points here or there, to me, that sends a message to the organization that this team isn't as far away from being a contender as Danny Briere and Keith Jones and John Torrell probably went into the season fearing they were. And if that's the case, I don't think you have to trade Travis Konechny the way that I thought they had to last summer because I was like, Christ, this team is just going nowhere. It makes no sense to re-sign Konechny now. I think if they don't fall off a cliff the rest of this year, it makes it a much more logical decision. It makes it much more defensible to re-sign Konechny, and I think Konechny would want to stay. He's super good buzz with with pretty much everybody on the team. He's a team leader. I, I think it was huge for him tonight, just as just as it was huge for Sam Harrison to have the game that he had tonight. It was huge for the team as a whole. Travis Konechny came into this game having one goal in his last 11 games. He was one of the big reasons why the team went into that five-game skid. I also think it was one of the big reasons why they were struggling so much against star players over that five-game skid because Travis Konechny wasn't out there controlling play and racking up shots and chances when he was on the ice against the Nathan McKinnons and David Pasternak's. Tonight, Travis Konechny looked like Travis Konechny again. Great for Flyers fans. Great for him. Obviously, what the team needed as well. Now, like, scoring is always going to be streaky. Uh, It stands out, I think, a lot with the Flyers because, like, if TK ain't scoring, especially when Owen Tippett's hurt, it's like, well... Who who gets the goals? <laughs> yeah. Who is going to be doing the scoring? That said, TK looked like he was banged up. Like I know yeah. the the scoring is going to be streaky, but like he was not that guy that he was tonight. He was everything you want out of TK tonight, and you see it. I, did he lead all Flyers in ice time? Uh, I believe 20, he did. Yeah, not a defenseman hit twenty. Yeah, I believe he, he hit twenty two ten tonight. He was everywhere. Yeah. Um, Ryan Paling, eighteen forty six. He was second. Yeah, well, Tor- second Torf loves him. Second among the Just forwards. Celebrating that new contract. Uh, but the guy who returned from injury tonight is who I want to talk about next. It's Owen Tippett, third amongst the forwards in ice time at seventeen fifty two. It was pretty evenly uh, distributed ice time among everyone, but yeah, seventeen fifty two was third for the Flyers. Now he does not record a point. Does have three shots on goal. Takes a penalty uh, on a, a pretty questionable hit. Uh, but like I said on Twitter, ain't no one on the Panthers would slow up in that situation. This is what uh, this is what hockey is. It's a fast game. Sometimes you take a penalty. That's what happened to yeah, Tippett tonight. Fair. But he played a a really strong game, I thought, uh, for his first game back, first game in Florida against his old team. Played them at home a couple of times. Hasn't played in Florida against them yet until tonight. His shift, you mentioned, to start the second period, one of the things that really got this team going. Yeah. Um, he seems to really be ascending to that level that we saw last year in the second half. Like, do, is that what you're seeing now? The obviously the injury slowed it. He was on the goal streak when he got hurt. That sucked. Uh, but they gave him the time off. He had the three games off before the deadline. Now he comes back third in ice time on the Fords tonight. I thought he was one of the standout players, despite not recording a point. I would agree. 
Um, I thought that the second period was his period. I thought, like everybody, he wasn't engaged enough in the first. For them, that was more, hey, what the hell are you guys doing? For him, it made sense because not only did he have the week off, he also was coming off the injury. So you're maybe trying to figure out. Like, testing okay, it a yeah, little. Yeah, testing it a little bit, just making sure you can do everything at game speed that you want to be able to do. From the start of the second period, I thought he was everywhere third period he wasn't as noticeable but they were protecting a lead that's not really necessarily owen tippett he was time. out there late too. Yeah, yeah i'm not saying he wasn't yeah. there it's just that the flyers are protecting a lead against a really good team they're maybe not going to take as many risks as they did in the second when tippett was there was one entry that he created it was it ended up being a give and go he didn't get fully uh you know the full uh force on the puck that he wanted to but the entry that he created he had like a defenseman right on him. The, the Flyers teams from the last 10 years, everyone would have dumped the puck in. Owen Tippett's just like, now nah, I'm just going to flip like a backhand pass through two guys and it's just going to work. And it did. And that's the kind of high end talent that like, I'm of the opinion that Owen Tippett is probably never going to put it together to the point where he is going to be that level of impact on a nightly basis. And that's what you have to do to be a true high talent I mean, yeah, superstar. He'd be like a star if he did but that. the thing is that he has the ability to do it and to me that the thing with him is consistency whether he's ever going to be consistent enough to be a 40 goal 80 point guy i don't think he's there i'm, I'm skeptical he's ever going to get there but what makes him unique on this team is that aside from Konechny and maybe joel farabee and maybe jamie drysdale if he gets there Owen Tippett has that kind of high-end skill to make those kinds of high-end plays, and it's just so exciting when he does it. It's really fun to watch. If we're talking about, and I didn't write this down earlier, uh, but if we're talking about guys who are maybe ascending a little bit, um, you didn't mention too many guys while we were watching the game more than Joel Farabee. Yeah. Just... I like I asked you after a couple and a couple more slick passes. I mean, his passing this year has been something I never expected out of him. Um, he is. I think JJ even mentioned it. Like quietly becoming one of the better playmakers. Yeah, JJ that we said have. It. Yeah, I think yes. I, I'm really really enjoying this new and improved Joel Farabee almost a little. Like, what are you seeing out of him that maybe wasn't? We didn't see from him consistently prior to this season. He's becoming one of my favorite players on the team to watch. And not in the sense, like, Travis Konechny's a blast to watch. Yeah, He's I mean, just a fun player. But is becoming one of my favorite players on the team to watch for the same reason that Sean Couturier the slick is just like, he's just so smart. Yeah. Like that pass that he, he sent Konechny, like, yeah, Konechny makes a great move with this, with, with the stick, you know, the little dangle full and full and stars. That's fun. The pass that Joel Farabee tossed him. And that was a, like, he gets the puck and immediately just knows I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead my, 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 uh, my wide receiver on that play. And like it's that, easy to miss. It's easy like, to miss. Yeah. No, Joel Farabee is, is a really skilled player. He's also a really smart player in terms of uh, what he does with the puck and even what he's doing without the puck a lot of times more and more this year. He is, like, there's a world where he is the second or third best player on the Flyers in two or three years, like a contending Flyers team. I am, Really? I am you see him? I am getting really high on this guy's upside because he's just, there's nothing he can't do, and he's even getting quicker. Like there was a play, I believe, in the second period where he was chasing down a puck and he just burst 
and like immediately gains like a stride and a half on the defenseman who's also chasing down the puck, gets to the puck first, creates a scoring chance. I didn't realize he had that kind of speed. And if he like that's always been his weakness was that, you know, he was a an average NHL skater. If he could be just like an above average NHL skater, I'm not asking him to be Travis Konechny. If he could be an above average NHL skater with legitimate bursts from a straight line, I, I don't know, man. Like, he's already turned himself into a play driver this year. Hopefully that holds. He's he's a rare offensive player in that while he has the ability to score and he has the ability to shoot, to, to finish on chances at an above average level, like his shooting percentage, he's been able to hold that for long enough for me to believe that he actually can finish on his chances better than most players. It's not that he's just a shooter. Like, I, I really like Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett is a shooter. He is not much of a We've playmaker. We've seen a lot less shooting out of Farabee this year, I feel. To me, like, Farabee is exciting to me because if he has the puck on a two-on-one, you don't know whether he's going to shoot or pass because he can do both. Yeah. And that's really cool. He turns 24 in 19 days. His birthday's February 25th. So he's right at that age of... Either he is what he is or there's another level. And it looks like there's another level, you know, and that's that's real freaking exciting. I believe it was uh, Dmitry Filipovich of uh, the uh, Hockey PDO cast. I didn't check this stat, so if, if it's wrong, blame him, not me. But I think he tweeted at me that with that assist he had on the connecting goal that Joel Farabee has the same number of five on five points this year as Connor McDavid. The five on five scoring. If <laughs> it's this, wild. Like if this team scored on the power play a little bit, like Konechny and <laughs> and Farabee scoring numbers, like they might I not in the MVP race because Nathan McKinnon and Nikita yeah, Kucherov are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Um and like Connor McDavid's not even catching them. He's the best player in the world. But like these dudes would be thought of on that next level a little bit more. Like it's it's really just the pa- and listen it's on them like they need if yeah, they're the they best need to score if the power they're the play. best players on the team they need to score in the power play yeah. but like if this team if they had any help whatsoever on the power play like this team would score a lot yeah because they, they have some of the best five on five scores in the league and of course TK does a lot of damage on the penalty kill as well yeah I I, but, I just I just confirmed it so yeah with that point Joel Farabee has thirty four five on five points Connor McDavid has thirty four five on five points now granted. Connor McDavid has played in fewer games than Joel Farah because he was injured for a little bit. He's also the best player I've ever but, seen. But, but looking at this, okay, so <laughs> first and five on five points, Nathan McKinnon at 45. He's unreal. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov is second at 38. Farabee is tied with McDavid for third at 34. Then you've got Artemi Panera, David Pasternak, Sidney Crosby as the three behind them. You know. They're pretty good. Just like. Yeah, they're Okay. Who it was Panarin, Crosby, and who? Panarin, Crosby, and Pasternak. So two MVPs, a fifty goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. bad. A couple, yeah, just all <laughs> sorts of like it's a whole list of dudes with full trophy shelves, and then like and then Joel Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee. Not bad, not, not bad, bad company. Uh, someone who has not been scoring a ton for the Flyers, but maybe tonight was the start of something. Noah Cates. Uh, get, scores the game winner tonight, took advantage of the turnover, cut to the middle with a nice power move, gives the Flyers the 2-1 lead. Second goal this year in his now, it's his 29th game of the season. He missed a ton of time. Uh, it's his first goal since October 24th, though, and even with missing a ton of time. Uh, that's a long, it was like a 24-game goal as Strouders. It is still 
a whole lot of games without any scoring. It's only his second point since coming back from the injury. It's now been eight games. I I was talking to you during the game, like, we need Forster to be more than this, probably. And we need Cates to get back to what he was last year. But those two could make one hell of a duo as a third line, like, forecheck the shit out of you, do all the right things, like, combo two out of three on a on any third line but yeah give maybe may, maybe give them to yeah. a mall in a year or two yeah, and there's there there's go. your speed here's the speed because yeah. neither of those guys are quick but they're both super smart and they're strong along the boards but what is it what is it that kate's has to do to get back to where he was last year i know we wanted more scoring yeah he did have 39 points though like it took sean couturier a shit ton of time to get to 39 points <laughs> you know like what does what is it that Noah Cates isn't doing that he did last year? I just think he needs to get back to his his aggressive, confident game. Like the one thing you do have to remember about last year is he got a lot of minutes. He was the one. Safe. I mean, they were they were pumping him with minutes because they didn't have anybody else, and that did inflate his overall point totals. If you looked at his five on five points per sixty when you're normalizing for ice time, it wasn't that great. He needed to be a more efficient scorer. Obviously, he hasn't been that this year because he struggled. But I thought tonight's goal was an example of what he needs to do. He gets that on the forecheck. Obviously, he gets a little bit of lucky bounce moving the puck, but he gets that through hard work, right spot. hard work on the forecheck and then having the confidence in himself to take that puck to the high danger area. Take that to the slot. And yeah, you get a good bounce. But you know what? Good things happen when you take the puck to the dangerous areas. And that's what he did. I think really it's so hard to analyze his season because obviously the injury he was out for so long he struggled in the beginning of the year but hey that maybe if he doesn't have that injury maybe it's just a slow start maybe he explodes in december you just don't know but to my eyes when he was at his least effective over the first month and a half before the injury he was playing too much of a perimeter game in the offensive zone they had him at center most of that time. Now he's at wing. Now maybe they can just unleash him a little bit, let him take advantage of the fact that he's a legitimately good forechecker, take advantage of the fact that he's a smart player. And then if he gets a few more goals like this, maybe the confidence comes back and he starts going to the net the same way he was last year and trying to get those greasy goals. Like he was, they had him at net front at the end of the year yep. on the power play. Yeah, he he got a few goals that way. Yep. Like he can succeed in those high traffic areas. I just think he lost the confidence that he could do it. And hopefully tonight, this goal, because it was a legitimately really good goal in a key point of the game fought for the through Flyers, contact. fought through contact. Maybe this gets him going. I tweeted this out during the game because of how much time he missed. And because that first month and a half was just such a bad start. He almost can maybe look at this as a new season Look at this. Like, I hope somebody told him over the break, like, treat this as a 32-game season for you and forget about the first 50. You know what? They sucked. You know, you weren't playing for a lot of it. When you did play, you weren't that good. Just erase it and start over. I really hope this is him starting over. I like what I saw out of Cates last year. I think he has a lot of useful tools. That said, the thing that made him so valuable last year was his transition to center and his excelling in that role of a shutdown player. If he is a wing, where does he actually fit in here? Like you look at, you break down what the roster is and could be like, where does he actually fit in, in this grand scheme of when the mad rushing gets here? Well, I think there's still a spot for him. If he's ultimately a wing rather than a center. 
I think there is still a spot for him as a quality bottom six winger, even if the scoring never comes around. Because say what you will about his first 50 games, and I think we could all agree they were a disappointment. If you look at his underlying numbers in terms of play driving, still really good. Like if you're talking about, and I love this metric, it's from uh, Evolving Hockey, it's RAPM. It's essentially a, a catch-all play driving stat. His impact on the Flyers' expected goal differential with him on the ice, better than Sean Couturier, better than Joel Farabee. Like, and those guys are really, really good play drivers. Kate's graded out better than those guys. So it's not like the the two-way element of his game went away. It's just that everybody got so fixated on the fact that he wasn't scoring and the fact that he was involved in a few really, really big defensive blunders. I believe that was in like late October, early November, when he was involved in like a couple uh, in the third period like that led to, that to big goals. Yeah. He's, was the Vegas game they lost late? Was that, maybe. I, I, I'd, I'd have to yeah, go back and look. Ago. But anyway... I think it blinded a lot of people to the fact that as a two-way player, he's still been quite good. So even if, don't forget, this guy was a fifth-round pick. Like, if you can get a quality bottom six play driver out of a fifth-round pick who, you know, maybe he is on your fourth line a decent amount, the way Scott Lawton is. Dope, yeah. But, hey, if he can be a guy who can make that fourth line into a line that spends a lot of time in the offensive zone, and then when he's on from an offensive standpoint, then he can play on your third line, maybe even on your second line when he's really rolling. I don't think that's the worst outcome. It's always, we've had so many guys over the last few years, like going back to Michael Roffel and kind of Scott Lawton fit into that. Like they're not the most valuable guys when they're playing in their spot. And you don't love them ideally when they move up, but these Swiss Army Knife players are so valuable. Like, if they have some center injuries, maybe he's not a center. You could throw him in there, Oh, though. you certainly can. Like, he, he's sure done he it. do it. He's done it, and he's done it pretty successfully. Like, the idea that he fits in somewhere, I'm just like... I think he fits I'm in. I'm trying to... I, I think when, he fits when, when we say bottom six, there's a big... Especially the way this team deplo- deploys a fourth line. This year's, you know, Nick Delorier, et cetera. There is a big difference between third and fourth to me. True. And like it's it's yes, bottom six, but really it's top nine, fourth line. Like if he is a really good play driving winger on your third line, that's great. If he's just a Swiss Army knife on your fourth line, all right, cool. Like there's still a range of outcomes for him, and he's not as young as like I'm saying Joel Farabee, oh, he's 24, he's young, and it's like Noah Kate's 25, he's old as shit. But right. you do get to the point of a guy is what he is. Do you see Kate's kind of getting back to a consistent level? Maybe not what he was last year, because again, he was the one C yeah, last he had a year. Lot of like, time. Do you see him nailing down that spot over? some other dudes in this organization. Yes. Yeah. Because okay. I think he's the type of guy that coaches love Torts still loves. Him, oh even, yeah. Even though he he's struggling. I just think that, that he's the kind of guy that's going to find a spot and maybe his ceiling is lower than we hoped it was coming out of last year. But again, I will, ke- I will take a guy who drives play the way Kate's does, who can play wing and center, who is, does everything the coaches want him to do. I will take him on my team any day of the week. Now, whether that's, you know, maybe I thought at some point I was like, ah, maybe he's a three C, maybe he's a two C if he can score more. Now, maybe I'm thinking he's like a three left wing. They don't have a lot of left wings in this organization. They do not. So, I mean, you got Joel Farabee who looks like a stud, but beyond him, like they're using Tippett on the left. They're using Forrester on the left. Cause they just don't have a lot of them. Mitch a right wing at his best. 
if Noah Cates is your third line left wing, I think you do a hell of a lot worse. I agree. And uh, let me take a quick second to tell you about FOCO, baby. That's right. FOCO's back. FOCO is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether it's hoodies, jackets, beachwear, or even overalls, there's something for fans for almost every occasion. You're like, beachwear? Bill, it's February. I almost said it's January. It's February. Yeah, but... Man, it, it, it happens faster than you think. You know it's coming, and maybe you're going on that PHLY takeover down to Clearwater. Maybe you Hey-o. need. Maybe, yeah, see how I work one into the other? Love that. Yeah, maybe you need some beachwear if you're heading down to Florida in a couple of weeks to be part of, uh, of Philly spring training. You got to shop with FOCO. And if maybe team apparel, okay, but you're looking for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your Man Cave, She Shedder podcast set, you know. Foco has your back because they always have our back for Philly sports. And uh, you can get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off at FOCO today. I'm telling you, man, the straw hats are going to be a thing this summer, whether it's a Philly straw hat for, uh, for spring training. Maybe it's a flyer straw hat. That you're going to wear playoffs? The, that you're wearing in the playoffs, the or to the parade, <laughs> to Sea Isle when we're celebrating with the cup. I'm just saying, get it at Foco. Use that promo code PHLY10 for 10 percent off. Uh, let's talk about the defense a little bit, Charlie. Okay. There was some I don't know, consternation online today when you see the pairs, and it's like, well, there's seven, so I wouldn't worry too much about what the pairs are. Uh, but you see Sanheim paired with Rasmus Ristolainen and in practice the last couple of days, and people, how are you going to put a third-pair guy with a struggling first-pair guy? How's this going to go? It's like, well, I bet you this means it's not going to be 24 minutes for Travis Sanheim. And as we see tonight, uh, Sanheim led the way with 1940. Zamula at seventh with 1446, pretty evenly distributed ice time for the defenseman. I, I don't even know if I have a question for you here, but it's no, it's just like, how do you see this defense core taking shape? Like I said to you at one point tonight, like, yeah, was, is Drysdale even playing? I heard his name like one time tonight. Like, how do you see this working out once they maybe make the trade of one or two of these guys? Where do you see this defense going? Well, I I think where they're at right now is they know they kind of just have to keep doing this. And by this, I mean seven defensemen a lot of nights, cycle them in and out. You know, maybe if a guy has a couple bad games in a row, you give him a seat the way they did with Ristolainen. But they know they have to kind of keep this going until the trade deadline will will invariably solve their problem because they're going to move one or more of these guys. To me, Walker's the guy who's probably gone. We'll see what happens with Sealer. I mean, he's out there. I'm sure they're listening, but it seems like they want to bring him back. Mark Stahl is barely even here at this point. He's basically just the good guy in the room now. So to me, this is something that the Flyers are just going to have to kind of deal with until the deadline. When Walker gets moved, and I believe he will, then suddenly you're back to six. Now, my concern is that I would like to see Andre or, or Adder come up at some point. I don't know if just moving Walker really allows you to do that, but maybe they are just looking at it as, hey, if we're in the playoff race, we can't be worrying about integrating young kids. We got to try to, we owe it to these players and let them give it a go. I don't think it's going to stop him from trading Sean Walker. I think that will, by virtue of cutting this seven down to six, that'll solve a lot of things. But in terms of what the parents are going to be, I don't know. I think it just kind of depends on how guys play, right? 
Oh, yeah. Um, I saw this today. Uh, I think it was Philly Hockey Now put out an article about Mark Stahl today. Um, do you think, like, I guess there's always going to be an injury. Like, as, whenever we say, like, oh, well, this guy's only going to get it, and then there's an injury two days later. Uh, but hoping that doesn't happen because the guys in, in I either want to see, like, showcased and able to trade or stay healthy and play well. Right. But do they have to work Mark Stahl in at some point just to drum up any sort of trade interest? Or do you think it's just like everyone knows what Mark Stahl is and whoever trades for him, it's legitimately just he's going to be our seven or eight. Like he might be a black ace for us, you know, like he's just going to be depth cross fingers. If we absolutely have to, we can put Mark Stahl out there and we have a vet who knows what he's doing. I mean, I would have I'd have to think that they'll probably get him into a few games in February. That said, there's an element where it's Mark Stahl like if you're a team looking for depth, I think you've seen enough of Mark Stahl over what the 18 years he's played in the league. I don't know how, like how much more do you really need to see? You know what he is at this age. You know what he isn't. And if you want a guy who could be your eight, who's a good vet who can pop in there and play 20 minutes if he absolutely has to, if everyone gets injured in the playoffs because he knows how to play playoff hockey, show that last year with Florida. I don't know if you have to play him eight times in February just to showcase him. I feel like showcasing is something for someone like Walker, where you're still not sure like, if he really is this good. Who is this guy? Where everybody knows who Mark Stahl Mark is. Mark Stahl has played 1118 regular yeah. season games. This is his 17th season in the there NHL. There we go, 17 seasons. Uh, like, chances are anyone potentially thinking about acquiring him has a fairly good idea. It's just something that came up today. Yeah. As like, I guess it is a balancing act because the guy can't just not play. Yeah. But they'll, they'll put him in a few games, I'm sure. They'll find a way. I guess with... You sit Zamula game for to get him in as a seven. With what we've seen out of Zamula lately. Now, listen, he has a role. They've established something with him on the power play, and it hasn't been horrible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was nowhere to go but up, but... You know, they had to go up, I guess. Okay. They could have just stayed, they just stayed 9%, yeah. I suppose. Uh, but, like, tonight we were both like, Zamula, like, is yeah. it just that easy? You slide him in, you, you figure out a way to get him in for, like, instead of Zamula, is it just that simple, like, two times and I then think so. that's enough? Yeah, and as I, as I said, they show that they're willing to sit guys if they have an... You know, and, Risto, and when like, I say extended, I don't mean like Risto sucked for two weeks. I think Risto had a couple bad games. Yeah. And they're just like, all right, well, you ain't playing well. We got seven, so you're sitting for a game. They might do that with with Risto, with Sealer even, with Walker. Like, who who knows? You can find ways to integrate these guys in. Zamul is the easiest yeah. because it's not going to kill him to sit a game here and there. So to me, he's the guy where, like, you know, you're— you're showcasing Walker to teams that want to trade for him. You're trying to potentially negotiate a deal with Sealer or showcase him to teams that might potentially want to trade for him. Risto's easy because he's locked up to the long-term deal. Samul's easy because, like, hey, playing seven out of nine February games isn't going to be the worst thing for you. No, and, like, Risto, anyone... It's almost like Mark Stahl, but different. Like, anyone trading for Risto... They know what if, he is. If he didn't play for a month, it wouldn't matter. You're trading for the idea of Risto. <laughs> trading for the concept, like, You're trading yeah. for the concept of playoff Risto. Playoff Lion. Risto, baby. Like, yeah, but he lost a hand. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> uh, he doesn't need a hand. He doesn't need a stick. No. Like, you know, like, yeah. it's... You're trading for this, like, uh, oh, well, when, when we get there... Uh, that said, man... Uh, 
I miss the hits. I know he's better now, quote unquote. He doesn't better. hit as much, uh, dude. There was a there was a play tonight where I'm like yelling at the TV, fucking crunch him. And like he put the body into the guy, but he could have laid someone out. And I'm like, God damn it! I it is. Yes, he stayed in the play, yeah. and like the puck came loose, and like the Flyers, I think, ended up getting the puck. So that's good. But I. Show me the hits. It is interesting. Like, his <laughs> hits are legitimately down. They're way down. Well, like, last year, even with the change in his style, he had 162 hits, which was significantly more than two hits per game. This year, he has 44 recorded hits in 29 games, which is significantly fewer than two hits per game. It's, like, probably somewhere like that 1.5, 1.6-ish range, I would guess, doing some quick mental math. Um Granted, his ice time's down. Last year, he had 19 minutes. This year, he's at 1640. But I do get the sense that he's hitting less often. Hey, maybe that's why the Flyers will trade him. Because suddenly, he's not intimidating anymore. <laughs> he's better, but he's not intimidating anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. Am I running the Flyers? <laughs> Basically. Um, let's, uh, well, before we get to the three stars, Charlie, let us uh, let me just tell you about the new merch for a second. Haven't yeah. plugged the merch in a while. Now, this isn't brand new, but it's brand new in terms of people are getting them this right. week. They're getting mailed the, out now. The Mad Russian hoodies, all the new hoodies that came out of phlylocker.com like a month ago are now in the mail or they have arrived. I got mine today. I got to tell you, it's super freaking comfortable. It's a... Uh, why don't you give show the, the back? Yeah, too. why not? Yeah. Because it's just... It's the little Mad Russian here, like just up uh, like a name tag, but on the back... Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. All right, down, down a little bit. Squat. There we go. The Mad Russian. Beautiful. <laughs> Sit on the table. Uh, no, I'm not speaking into the mic. There we go. Yeah, so uh, check out phlylocker.com. We still have some Mad Russian stuff left. We have Dry Guy the Fly Guy. I believe shirts, just shirts for that. I think so, yes. And it's crew necks and T-shirts for the PHLY hockey with, uh, with hockey the hockey player, with, with Bully the, the Charlie. tooth and red hair. Yeah, yeah. With, with Charlie on them. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. our little cartoon. Black guy, missing tooth, red hair. He's a bully, man. That's He's a me. bully. That's <laughs> Yeah, screams Charlie gotta, O'Connor. Gotta, gotta get like a like a little tooth black for you for yeah, the right? show. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you check out phlylocker.com. We are ecstatic with how much everyone has supported us, and we demand more. Damn it! Uh, sorry, it's just the way it is. You know, no, I, I really like that Mad Russian. That that is a it's very the, the, cool. the hoodie, the shirt. It, it, it that turned it's, out exactly the way I wanted it to turn like, out. It's like Charlie and I, mostly Charlie, had this concept for the Mad Russian stuff. <laughs> And it was like, I don't know how we do it because it's not easy to sell something that says Russia on it right now. Yeah. How do we make this work? Yeah. And it was, I, they, they knocked this out of the park, I think. It's really, really cool. Yeah, like all, all of the easy ways to make it clear that someone is Russian. Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't think people really want to be wearing something with a Russian flag <laughs> I, I, on it right I, now. I, I, the hammer and sickle, probably not a good call at the moment. So, But th this, I felt like, was a good way to you know to play up the, the, the Russian thing. Obviously, we all got a kick out of the John Tortorella mad Russian comment. And it seems like people like it we're getting a lot of people that, that are buying so if you're on the fence would highly recommend k red ordered a charlie shirt thank yeah, you k thank red. you k red uh so without further ado let's get to charlie o'connor's three stars of the game leading off with star number three star number three i i really really wanted to give this to noah cates because he got the game winning goal it was a great play and he actually had really really good advanced stats in this game uh, he had a, uh, by natural stat trick at five on five, 73.66%, et 
expected goals for. So let's let's call him the honorary, honorable mention, fourth star of the game, Noah Cates, because I think he does deserve a lot of credit for his overall play and obviously the huge goal. But I'm going to go with my third star being Joel Farabee because I thought he was just extremely noticeable in this game. He continues to be on a nightly basis an impact player for this team, had the great pass set up Konechny and a few other passes that nearly turned into goals. I thought he just, on the whole, was extremely noticeable from start to finish. I thought that the first period, as bad as it was, he was one of maybe only two or three Flyers players that was playing well in the first period, that that line with uh, Konechny and Frost and Farabee was the only line that did anything in the first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought Farabee just, and we've talked about this after a few of the games, even after some of the games that they lost during that five-game losing streak, that Farabee, it's just getting to the point where you expect him to have an impact every night. And I thought coming out of the break, he did exactly what he's been doing for pretty much the past month and a half, which is be one of the best players on the ice for the Flyers. So for that reason, he is my third star. Let's go to Charlie O'Connor's star number two. Star number two is Travis Konechny, the rat. Travis Konechny battling with the other rat, Matthew Kachuk. Tremendous. Gets the big goal, leads the team in ice time. I thought he really needed this game. I really do. I I thought he needed this one in order to um, shake off what has been a bit of a a cold stretch for him. Had the week off, got to reset, went back out there. He looked like the Travis Konechny that leads the team in points that for a while was on pace for 40 goals. Travis Konechny is the Flyers' most talented best player, and he looked it. He is such a fucking flyer. Sure is. Like It might be dumb, but I want to keep this guy. I I know. I I just... Uh, anyway, let's get to Charlie O'Connor's first star of this game. First star of the game, Sam Erson, the new number one goalie for the Philadelphia stud Flyers. Erson. Stud Erson, one of those S's we'll give it to yeah. him. Uh, he can be can stand for stud, sure, why not? Um, I feel like there might be a shirt concept There's there. There's got to be something. There's got to be a shirt concept there. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Sam Erson, I thought... He gets the first star for what he did in the first period. Not that he wasn't good the rest of the game, but for what he did in the first period, that game could have been 3 nothing, 4 nothing, could have been over. They could have got blown out of the building. He made so many big saves. And coming off of the break, when it's become now confirmed pretty much that he is the guy the rest of the year, because I don't think we're going to be seeing Carter Hart in a Flyers uniform anytime soon, if ever again. Sam Harrison is the guy. He's the guy. And... With that knowledge, knowing that for a fact this is his net, he went out there and showed why it should be his net. He was great, made all but one save, and I would hope that people who watch this game are now a lot more confident in the goaltending for the rest of the season, even without Carter Hart. I am excited to see where Erson goes from here. And you know how they always say, like, um, yeah, you, you can't win the pennant in April, but you sh- you can sure as hell lose it. Sure. Like, the Flyers couldn't have won this game in the first period, <laughs> but they easily could have been down 4 nothing. Like, yeah. this could have gone the way of Boston. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that—I mean, Boston was on a different freaking level that day, but this could have gone that way yeah. if he wasn't playing his A game in the first period, and that allowed them to ease their way into this one yes. and finally figure it out and turn it competitive and then— Get the lead no, and no. hold the lead. And you think about it, like if they go down three nothing, four nothing in the first period, then we're talking about a six game losing streak. We're talking about another game where they went up against a cup contender and fell flat. And we're wondering if this is the start of the the fall the, the falling off of a cliff. Instead, that whole narrative has changed for one reason. Sam Harrison stood on his head in the first period. 
And there it is, fam. All right, and that is basically all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers postgame presented by Mortgage CS. Check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID 1464766. Uh, tomorrow we will be live at 3 o'clock right here on the YouTube channel. We'll have a uh, special treat for you on that show as well. It's going to be, well, tomorrow I'm going to interview Joe Watson. I'm pretty sure Charlie's <laughs> going to be here. I don't know why I need to, oh, it's a surprise. Now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. We're going to get to sit down with Joe Watson. He's uh, promoting his book, Thundermouth. That's going to be really cool to get to talk about. Obviously, coming off of all the uh, alumni stuff, that's going to be a really cool time. So make sure you check that out. We'll tack it on to the end of tomorrow's show. It'll be standalone as well. You know how all this stuff works. All right, uh, that's it for us. What, Twitter, at PHLY underscore Flyers. Go to PHLYLocker.com for all the merch. All PHLY.com slash events to check out the uh, Clearwater Takeover. Uh, that's enough. Yeah, give us a follow. If you don't follow us on YouTube, I know you're watching. If you're not subscribed to YouTube, please subscribe. It would be much appreciated. It's definitely something that our, uh, let's say our higher-ups look at it. They so, are uh, very much interested in the YouTube subscriptions, the thumbs up, all that stuff. So make sure you hook us up. It's much appreciated. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. See you tomorrow, Philly. Mm-hmm.